You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Um, my name's Matt. If I haven't met you, I'm our, one of our pastors here at Grace on our preaching team. I oversee all of our uh, student and college ministries here, and it's really... Sorry, i got to stay in the box. I forget. You guys tighten things up down here. Um, it's really good to, to see you, welcome you in the online community and those people that will be listening via podcast. Um, you guys want to talk about relationships today? Well, I do, and I'm in the box. So um, that's where we're going to start. Um, one thing I want to start by saying is, is I don't believe that what we're going to be talking about today can, can be understated at all. I don't think there's any <clears throat> excuse me, more important subject than what we're going to be talking about. Not because I'm talking about it, it'd be crazy, but because I, 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 I truly believe that and hopefully you will see what I'm talking about. <clears throat> we're going to be talking about our relationship with God. Because your and my relationship with God is so foundational to our lives. How we, how we think that God thinks about us and how we relate to God is really, it, it not only affects all of our other relationships, if we get it wrong, it actually infects all of our other relationships as well. And so there's all kinds of relationships that we have in this world. And tonight, today I want to talk about two kinds that we experience and that we see in the book of Galatians. And the first one is going to be what we call a grace-based relationship. Now, I don't know if you have any of these in your life. I have a new one in mine. Now, Brashears, you know, it's not a grandchild contest, but if it was, my kids are bringing it. I mean, this is my, this is my granddaughter, Maya. I don't know if you guys have met her. She's 13 months old, and she is the apple of my eye. And obviously, me of hers, too. Take a look at that. Uh, anyway, uh, we have a grace-based relationship, and let me tell you what, that's, what that looks like. Grace-based relationships are like this. Love, mercy, acceptance, and grace is a gift that's there from the starting line. Before you ever take your first step, it's there. You don't do anything, it's just there. And it, re- and it remains to encourage and enable you the entire journey of that relationship. So it doesn't go away. That relationship is based on grace. There's no earning. It's, it's there. And that's one type of relationship. The other type of relationship is what we're calling a works-based relationship. And this, too, has love, mercy, and acceptance, and relationship. It's all there, but it's not there at the starting line. It's there at the finish line. And you're going to have to work. You're going to have to bring your A game. You're going to have to put all kinds of effort. There's going to be a continual eye on you. And there, it's not easy. But you play your cards right. At the end of the day, you can attain that. Now some of you have grown up in families that are like this. Kind of a works-based situation. Right? It's like a kid who does all his chores and, and he misses one thing and, and that's the thing that you're going to be talking about that night. It's not all the other things, it's that one thing. These relationships are heavy. We, we actually run from these relationships. Because the result of this kind of, the workspace relationship is either, either it produces arrogant people 
You know, I'm constantly, I'm better than you, I'm doing better than him. And then you have no compassion or empathy for others. Or you just say, screw it. I'm not doing it. I'm out. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to please you. I'm done. And you just turn and you walk away. Grace-based relationships work like this. So you, you love me? Yeah, yeah, I love you. Well, what if I blow it? Well, I'm still here. I love you. I, I, we're not perfect. Yeah, but what if I really screw things up? Yeah, no, I'm not going to pretend like I like it, but, but I, I love you. What if I do something so horrible to really just, you know, that really destroys and, and wrecks our relationship? Well, you could never do something that destroys our relationship. We have a relationship, so we'll work it out somehow. It's going to be rough, but, you know, it might not, might not be easy, but, but we'll do it. That's grace-based. And we run to those kind of relationships. We run away from works-based. Grace-based relationships speak life into our souls. Works-based ones, they crush us. They're, they're oppressive. So the big question is this. What kind of relationship does God want to have with you? Because the way you answer that is, is everything. It affects everything in your life. And this is what is front and center in the book of Galatians. This is what Paul is writing about. What's going on in, in Galatia? His question is, why would a slave, once freed, return to bondage? Why would somebody who has, has, has been set free by, by, by the gospel go back to living their life under, under rules and regulations of, of legalism and law-keeping that can only condemn, that, that can't ever bring life? So that's what, that's what it's got Paul scratching his head here. He, he can't even believe it. Remember how he started the book? He's like, he's like, I'm astonished. I don't even know what to say. I cannot believe you are turning to a different gospel that Paul says is really, it's no gospel at all. These people are being tricked. They're being fooled. They're being, what, what do we say? We say things like they've been hoodwinked, right? They're having the wool pulled over their eyes. In today's text, Paul's going to use the word bewitched. It's like they're spellbound or something. What happened? How did they begin to embrace a distorted, twisted gospel that relies on a partially human effort to keep that going, to keep that relationship going, a kind of a workspace thing, instead of relying on the miraculous and merciful work and gracious work of God that he has invited them into through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Paul, in this letter, he sets out to correct this heresy. And so, if you haven't been with us, a little context. These people in Galatia are people that probably became Christians during Paul's first missionary journey to the region. He goes in, he pre proclaims the gospel, that, that your sins, your shame, your guilt can be forgiven, removed. You can walk clean in a, in a, in a perfect, grace-based relationship with the God of the universe by faith. Just believe. Put your trust in God, and it's yours. And so people got saved. The church blew up. It started growing. And Paul left and moved on. Well, after Paul left, these Jews called the Judaizers moved in. And they were jealous for the people. Not, 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 not for their sake, but they were envious. 
They, they tried to distance them from the apostle and his message. And they told them, listen, in order to be right with God and maintain your relationship with God, you need to follow these rules, these laws. Put them back under bondage, right? You've got to follow the Sabbath as we've determined, right? You, you have to be circumcised. Yikes. You have to, you have to eat certain meat, food. You can't eat, you know, Gary Talk, no bacon, Right? No carnitas. Well, you can have carnitas. No, well, maybe not. No, no, no carnitas. Right? No, no uh, chili verde. All the things that we love. You, that, that, this is how you're going to maintain your walk with God. You're going to follow our rules. And somehow this message struck a responsive chord with the Galatians. We're not sure why. We're not sure if it was because they were alienated from you know, they're, they're pagan churches or whatever that they've been growing up in, right? They've been serving, trying to please all these other gods all their life, but now they've been set free. But now they're alienated from that community. Or, and maybe the same thing with the Jews. So we don't know what happened. All we know is somehow these Judaizers began to pull the wool over their eyes and, and they began to follow after them. And so instead of focusing on their being united with Christ by grace through faith. They had been identifying with this Jewish nation and perfecting their walk with God and their righteousness based on observance of the law. Now, the law isn't bad in and of itself. We know that. We're going to see that even next week. The law was meant to point us to Christ. The law is a diagnostic. It can only show us what's wrong. It's like an MRI machine. It can't can't heal your cancer. It can show you that you have it. That's what the law does. The law brings us to an end of ourself. And ultimately it says, "You, you got nothing but me and I'm here for you. And so we turn to the Lord and his provision. In the Old Testament, they looked ahead. Today, we look back to the cross. That's the provision of God. So the law shows us that we're inadequate, that we don't live up. And so Paul, realizing these people have returned back to something that can't save, it can only condemn them. He's like, what are you doing? And so he's triggered. And so the language he uses in the, in the text today seems a little harsh, right? He's going to call them fools. But he's perplexed. He's scared for them. Let's read. Let's see what he says. Uh, chapter 3, verse 1. You fo- oh, I guess we're looking here. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, I just want to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? So I I ask, again, I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? So also Abraham. He believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So understand this. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. And scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith way back then. And announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, there are times when there's, excuse me, when there's people in your life that you love so much. And you see them going in a direction that's going to end badly for them. Maybe even in destruction. 
And you try and talk to them, and they're just not hearing it. And so you've got to ratchet up the language, right? It's, just like, it's like when your kid's running out in the street. You don't grab his arm and say, hey, Tommy, I don't think that was your personal best for today, bud. you got a trophy in your hand or something. I mean, you don't do that. Right? You grab his arm and you're like, well, I don't tell you what my dad said, but you know, you got the brains of a whatever it was. But you know, it's like, what are you doing? Are you trying to die here? What's 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 the matter? Why would you do that? You take him out to the dead possum, spend some quality time. Look at it. You know, that's that could be you. Look, I'll be back in an hour. Look at it. You leave him there. Actually, you probably go to jail for that today, but um, But listen, the Apostle Paul, he loved these guys. He loves the church. And he sees them going off. And all he wants is for them to grow and to flourish in the freedom that that Jesus Christ brings through the power of his Holy Spirit in their lives. And they're going back to slavish living. And it only produces death. And so he says, listen, you guys, you're fools. He's like, what what happens? It's like they're spellbound. They're hypnotized. And I'm assuming there's dark spiritual forces at work, as there always is when people are being led astray. So there's no doubt there. So he begins to remind them. He's like, I, yeah, I'm just going to remind them. He tries to remind them of how they began with Christ, how it all started. And, and, and so he says, listen, before your eyes, Christ was clearly proclaimed as crucified or, or portrayed. Now, nobody in Galatia saw Jesus die. Right? I mean, it's hundreds of miles away and years before. But the point was, his preaching was so compelling, not because he's so great, but because of the Spirit of God. Remember in, I think I wrote it down, yeah, 1 Thessalonians 1.4, he says this about the gospel. He says, our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. And so these people, when Paul say so vividly and graphically pr- preached the cross... And they experienced, it's like they saw it. The Spirit quickened it to their hearts. And so so a Christian isn't one who believes that Jesus died on a cross. A Christian is one whose the Holy Spirit has impressed that on their lives and they feel and sense the need for Christ. And they put their faith in God who provides a way for life. And that's what happened to them. They were shook by the gospel, rocked to the core. They repented. And believed, and the Spirit of God was given to them, and, and they started to flourish. Miracles are happening. Crazy stuff. Read about it in the book of Acts, Acts 13. I mean, the, 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 the Spirit showed up, the church is born, crazy thing. People are being healed. Amazing things are happening. You know, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking the, the, the death of Christ for our sin ought to show us how, how horribly lost we are. I mean, it took the death of Christ to save us. And it's such a precious gift. How could we possibly think that now if we go back to works, we could add to the sufficiency of that? It'd be like flapping your arms on an airplane. I mean, you can do it, but you look like a fool. And you're like, what are you doing? But that, that's, that's a, I think that's a great picture. The cross of Christ is sufficient to get us From the beginning to the end, the Spirit of God is sufficient to help us and lead us and teach us how to walk and grow. It's not a bunch of bunch of rules and laws. It's not there is no condemnation anymore in Christ for the Christian. So why are you putting yourself back under a system that condemns you? It's It's a good word. It's a good word. 
So thinking, if we think like this, that's what Paul's saying, if you think like this, man, you're being bewitched, you're being tricked, and you're not understanding the gospel. I mean, the fact that it took so much to get me saved, it took the death of God's son to get me saved, to get you saved, to get them saved. Man, it's got to show us how, how horribly wrong we were off. But on a positive note, because it was the death of God's son that did that for us, man, we, can, we should have full confidence in his word. I mean, when he says that, that all your sin, all your rottenness is completely covered by my son, and now I relate to you as my righteous son, and I'm going to teach you and daughter how to live in a righteous way. Not by your works, not by law keeping, but I'm going to give you a new heart like Ezekiel said. I'm going to put my spirit in you, and it's going to begin to shape you and lead you. And you just have to, you have to follow. And you're not going to do it perfectly. But keep going. Keep getting up. And so after he rebukes, let me just say one thing. You know what I love about the Lord? I mean, just love about him. Is he, he sees our problems before, and, and he solves them before we ever knew that we had them. I mean, so gracious is our God. So now Paul begins to ask these guys a series of questions. Help to, or, or excuse me, a, a series of questions designed to reveal the foolishness of trying to live under the law and instead of walking in the spirit. Check out these questions. It's great. I love the way he does it. It's like, you know, hey, I'm not real bright, but, you know, help me learn something here. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now, Paul knows, Paul knows that they received the Spirit. And Paul knows that they know they received the Spirit by believing. He's trying to wake them up here. The Spirit didn't come in and dwell them as some kind of result for living up to the law's demands. They, didn't even, they weren't even around the law at that time. They were pagans. So they didn't earn this gracious gift of God. He just poured it out on them. And the Spirit doesn't indwell us and fill us and, and do all the things that, that Scripture tells us the Spirit's going to do in our lives. Lead us into all truth, convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment, empower us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. He doesn't just come in and then leave. He is with us from beginning to end. And he's going to get us home. He's like, don't you remember how it began? Think about that. How did it begin? And then he continues, are you so foolish? You, you think you began this way, but you're going to end the, by, by the works of your flesh? You're, you're going to finish this way? This reminds my daughter in middle school. Okay, I survived those years, and so did she. I didn't think either of us would. And now there's, I have no better relationship than with my precious daughter. Who's right there. But she, and in her... In her middle school sarcasm, and I don't know where she gets that, her mother probably, uh, she says, she used to sometimes, I, she would be so frustrated, and I'd say something, you know, really wise, and, and, and she'd look at me and say, hey, Dad, are you dumb? And, and I'm just like, oh, we survived it, kid. Um, anyway, I, I, when I was reading this, I thought about that. I'm like, Paul's like, listen, are you guys dumb? Or are you so foolish? Do you not understand what you're saying? Look at what you're saying. His point is this, the Spirit comes when you believe. He indwells you. And he, and he causes you to progress in the Christian life. Why would you try and, and, and leave this grace-based relationship that God invited you in and exchange it for some law-based thing that, that will never work? It, just, it will never work. Now, these Christians are already saved. Remember that. 
The major issue is this. They're forgetting that the way the Spirit enters your life is the way the Spirit advances your life. We forget that too. But the way He enters your life is the way He advances your life. And they had forgot that. It's from faith to faith. And that's foolish. I mean, even Paul, think about how he talks about himself. There's nothing good that dwells in my flesh, he says. Romans 7, who can deliver me from this body of death? Only Jesus can, and he knows that. There's nothing. We can't bring stuff out of us that's going to that's gonna make us righteous before a holy God or, or have a righteous walk before God. We don't have it in us. And God sees it, and he provides that for us in his spirit. And then he talks about their experiences. He says, oh, did I skip one? Can I go back here? Oh, no, I just highlighted the wrong thing. That's cool. Uh, have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? Now, there's, there's some of your translations say, have you suffered so much in vain? And both of those are, are acceptable translations. I lean towards the, 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 the positive because just the context, but, but both would be true, right? And, um, the Spirit of God was doing all kinds of great things in, 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 in their midst, but suffering is also a reality for the Christian. We know that Paul suffered greatly for his faith. And so if you identify with the Christian faith in that culture, of course, you're going to suffer as well. I'm sure the Galatians had, had been ostracized. I mean, their, their pagan friends would probably mock them for worshiping one God in the, in the pantheon of gods. What, you're worshiping one God and, and he's invisible? Is that right? Right? And the Jewish people are mocking them for their grace-infused, their, their grace-based uh, faith and um, accuse them of impugning the law. How dare they? How dare you Galatians impugn the law of God? You just hear the legalism. Have you guys ever been in a legalistic church? It's like, hello, Simeon. How are you doing today? Well, hello, Bartholomew. Great to see you. How are the kids, Dorcas and Tabitha? Well, well, well. I noticed you weren't here last weekend. Death in the family, perhaps? No, no, I actually, I just been swamped at work. I just had to take a day and get caught up. Ooh. Yeah, well, you know, I've been here for the, I haven't missed a Sunday in four and a half years. Yeah, but you missed last Sunday, didn't you? Death, chains, there's no life there. It's the worst. That's what, that's what law, <laughs> that's what it looks like. It's horrible. There's no life there. God came to set us free from that kind of garbage. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Come on. If these guys could just remember that their Christian experience was, had such great value, right? Remember the experiences of God. Remember how they were saved. Remember how they're being sanctified. If they could just remember that, they wouldn't be relying on the law for salvation and their sanctification, their ongoing growth and walk in the Christian life. And, and then, then again, he, he points, to, he says, and, and what about the miracles? You think that was something that you earned? God just poured out his miracles, miraculous things in their midst. And so systematically, question by question, like a, like, like, like a prosecuting attorney whittling down a witness, Paul's, Paul's asking this, these questions. And he fully exposes the futility of a life of legalism apart from, uh, compared to a life of grace. 
And so you guys can answer these questions for me, all right? Uh, In unison, I expect you all to really put some effort into it too. So, was the priceless gift of Christ crucified on your behalf given because your adherence to the law? That's Bush League. Okay, we can do better than that. Um, Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? No. No. Uh, Do you progress in the Christian life by depending on your own works and law-keeping? No. Did you suffer and experience everything because of your works? How about the miracles, guys? Were those displayed in your midst because of your law-keeping? No. No. Gavel. Boom. No. And so for the Christian, Paul says your entire life revolves around faith. There's a freedom in that. Now, now we're not saying that you don't work. We're going to talk in the next chapters about what does it look like to, to walk in the Spirit. So don't get triggered thinking, oh, just do whatever you... No, no. But when Jesus Christ calls you. He doesn't put burdens on you. He lifts them from you. And we'll, we'll talk about that going ahead. Now, the Judaizers, remember these guys, they so strongly influenced the Galatians that, that even if after all this, Paul clearly spells out the gospel, clearly spells out their error, maybe he didn't get to them. Maybe they're still kind of... Mm, you know, because these guys really love them some Moses, right? The Mosaic Law, they love them some Moses. And I love Moses too. There's a time and a place. And so, what does Paul do? Well, he goes deep. He goes, deep. He goes back to Abraham. He says, all right, think about this. What about Abraham? You know Abraham, the father of faith, the father of the Jewish nation, we call him. We refer to Abraham as, how was he saved? Did he follow the law? Wait a second. That's funny. The law came 430 years after Abraham. So that couldn't do that. How was Abraham declared righteous before God? Oh, he believed him? Oh, you mean by faith? So so you're telling me Abraham was justified by God because of his faith. God said, Abraham, I'm calling you out. Okay. I don't know where I'm going. Abraham, you're going to have a kid. I'm really old. Look at my wife. Come on. It's not, uh, trust me. All right, she's laughing, but okay, kid. Right, and on and on. He believed God against all odds, and it was counted to him, credited him as righteousness. And Paul's saying, look, it's the same way today. It's almost like he's the first Christian, right? He's looking for, he's putting his faith in, in the Lord's provision. And I love what Jesus said about Abraham in John 8. Do you guys remember this? Jesus is talking about Abraham and he says, he says, listen, Abraham rejoiced at the thought of my day and he saw it and he was glad. Abraham saw it. I don't know how that worked, but Abraham trusted and believed God. He amened God. God said something. He said, amen. Okay, let's go. And so what's Paul's point? the Galatians, and all believers, Jews, Gentiles, whatever you got. All believers are spiritual descendants of Abraham who is justified according to his faith, not according to any kind of law, adherence, or work-based religion. God invited him into a grace-based relationship the same way he invited the Galatians in and the same way he invites us in today. And trying to work that out, that salvation out by grace through faith through a legalistic system will only lead to bondage. 
you will never see Christ for who he is. You'll be flapping your arms on an airplane looking like a fool and you'll be missing out on the freedom and the joy that the Christian life brings, even in the midst of pain and suffering. This is a, this is a, a, a religion, if you will, of people in prison with bloody backs praising God. Why? There's something about the Spirit of God. There's something about knowing everything we're experiencing is temporal. It changes us. It shapes us. Maybe, maybe you need to remember that today. Maybe we all need to step back and listen to the message of Galatians 3 today. It's easy for us to get off and start thinking that, oh, I got to impress God by doing this and that. that that's, it's, that's kind of our flesh. We, we naturally go back. We live in systems like this, right? Perform, perform, perform. There's always someone watching. You know, your salesperson. You make a great sense. It's awesome. Uh, they always raise the bar on you. You never, and it's never enough. But Jesus is enough. His sacrifice was enough. And the Holy Spirit is definitely enough. So a couple things by way of application here. What can we learn from this text today? Um, Four things. Number one, remember where you were when God found you. Now, I I don't know. This is different for all of us. I I was thinking about my wife. Uh, She grew up in a family that, that loved her, whatever. They never went to church. She never heard the gospel. Ever. About 20, I don't know how she was, 23 maybe, something like that. Somebody invites her to church. We're living down the seaside. She goes. And then after church, she says, uh, the lady, Roberta, says, hey, you know, we're having a new believers class. So, you know, why don't you come and check it out? And Ron's like, no, I don't know what this is all about. It's weird, but I like these people. So they go in. There's nobody in the class except Jim, the owner of Stop and Go, who's going to give his testimony that day. And Pat and Roberta, who invited Rhonda. He gives his testimony, preaches the gospel, and that moment, it's emotional for me, changed our lives. Uh, She says, that's it. That's what's been missing. Just like that, the Holy Spirit opened her eyes. That's it. And our lives have never been the same. Now, it took me a little while to come around. Okay. I grew up going to church, but I, you know, I always saw it as legalistic. I hated it, right? I never knew Jesus. I knew some white dude who floated around in a robe with Swedish blonde hair, but I never knew Christ. Never knew him. But where were you? For some of you, the Bible's being read to you since before you could talk. You grew up in a Christian home, and God bless it, and you just kept believing. And the more he revealed, the more you, you, you trusted him. God bless you for that. But where were you? When God saved you, we forget that. What were you doing? Were you, were you really, really crushing it? Were you really impressing him? You think God looks down and says, oh, look at, look at his church attendance. That's just fantastic. Oh, look, look at the way they serve, do, do community service. Uh, you know, look at their morality. Man, they're really worth saving. That's not who God is. There's no amount of works you can put together to impress a holy God. I sometimes think that when I'm crushing it, right? Christian faith, whatever. I'm, I'm, students are coming to Christ. Whatever it is that, that God is really, oh, I love you more today, Matt. And it's just not true. It's just not true. I mean, yes, yes, there is obedience and, and blessing. But when it comes to, the, the, the problem with that is when I'm not crushing it, more than, off, more than, more than crushing it, 
when I'm blowing it, when I'm, when I'm struggling, when I'm not treating my wife the way I should, when I'm not living up to the Christian life, I'm not walking in a worthy that, that I'm really called, then I feel like God wants nothing to do with me and I feel this condemnation, shame, judgment, never. Maybe discipline as a father, but never condemnation, shame. In Christ, there is no condemnation anymore. There's none. And that is our motivation. It's the love of God that motivates me. I don't do it because I'm going to earn something. I can't. I'm not flapping my arms on the plane. I'm not doing it. I know I can't. He's revealed that to me. The cross, is, it's, it's everything. I didn't deserve any of it. None of us did. These guys didn't. But he gave it to us. And he calls us to walk that way. So remember where you were. Remember where you were. Number two, man, rely and trust in, in the Spirit of God. Stop thinking what God began, we can now maintain through our own efforts. I mean, what does Scripture say? He brings rest to our souls. Come to me, you are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Not, I'll give you a list of laws and rules to keep. And when you do fall short, which we all do, because listen, this sanctified life, this growing and walking in Christ, we're never going to be where we think we should be. I just know I've, I've walked for about 25 years now with the Lord. And I've talked to you, some of you guys that are really old. Okay? Some of my dear brothers are, I, I can't believe they're still upright. Really old. And they're telling me, Matt, I struggle every day still. I wish I would be here. But you know what they're doing? They're walking in the power of the Spirit. They're, they're confessing their sin, not only to me, but to each other and to the Lord. And they're being washed every day. Feet are being washed. And they're walking in newness of life. And when they look back over the trajectory of their life, they see an ever-increasing growth, and growth in ever-increasing measure. And we've got to trust in that. We've got to trust that the Spirit of God is going to get us home. And don't fall for the lie that legalism brings. It only brings death. And finally, and look how I wrote this, almost primary school. Read the Bible more than you ever have before. There, and I say this every time I preach, and I'm unashamedly, there is no substitute for the word of God in your life. There is none. I mean, how can you, how can you have a relationship with someone you don't know, and Christ is revealed, the Spirit reveals himself in the Scriptures, the scriptures, the only book that, that interprets you faster than you can interpret it. Right? I say that all the time, too. It's like a broken record up here, but it's, it's true. And, and think about these, you know, oftentimes we think, you know, yeah, but the people in the Bible, I mean, those guys were, you know, I'm, I'm not up to their level. Really? You're not up to Abraham's level? Hey, sweetheart, why don't you act like you're my sister and I'm going to, you know, pimp you out to the king for the night and then they won't kill me. How about that? Or David, you know, man after God's own heart. Tell you what, I'm going to have sex with my friend's wife. Oh, I don't want him to find out, so I'm going to have him killed and murdered. This is God's guy. What, what about Peter? Last chapter, right? Hey, I don't eat with you guys. You know, it's all the hypocritical life of Peter. Listen, God uses people like us. God, God's cross, God's spirit is enough for people like you and me and people like these guys. Read the Bible. See who he is. Understand what we're called to. And be empowered by the scripture that's, that, that the author of Hebrews says is living, it's active. God's not afraid of your mess. Man, God's not afraid of your mess. And finally, walk in obedience to the word. 
of God. Obedience equals life-giving, not rule-keeping. When you walk in the way that you were designed, that God calls you to, and you, you, you'll receive blessing of God. I'm not, not perfect life, but listen, I know two young ladies that are in this room right now that are going to be serving the Lord upstairs next hour who were saved, started turning away, living lives that, that I, I thought, ah, oh, it's going to crush you. Both of those, by the grace of God, have turned around. One of them came up to me recently and said, you know what? Following Jesus really is a better way. I mean, what a blessing. What a blessing. And if you, walk in, if you walk in the grace-based relationship that God is calling you to, man, it's, it'll, it brings life to you. And again, it's not going to be easy. I'm not saying it is. Jesus said, look, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And you too, John says, will be overcomers. And how do we do it, John? By your faith. Keep trusting in me. When you fall, trust that my cross is enough for you. Self-pity is going to kill you, and it doesn't do, doesn't do anything for you. Trust in his cross. Confess your sin to one another and to him. You can walk out of here today in newness of life, grace-filled, spirit-filled. That's what Jesus is inviting you to. And that's what the Galatians were getting away from. So may you hear the word of Galatians 3 today. May you walk in the newness of life that a grace-based relationship with God can bring. Let's pray. Father, I, I pray that we would hear this. Some for the first time. They had no idea. They have no idea that you love them and want to have a relationship with them regardless of where they've been. There's some in here I know that that's the case. Some of us have just plain forgot. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. Encouraged to step out and walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, the, the truth of that song is we are, we're weak. We need the Lord. We need his provision. Some of you have never experienced a grace-based relationship that God wants to have with you. It's yours today. It's yours today. He will save you and empower you with his spirit right where you are. Just cry out to him. Say, Lord, I need you. I need you in my life. I don't know. You don't have to figure out what that, what that all looks like today. But it starts by asking him to come in. Man, won't you do that? I don't know why you wouldn't. And for, for those of us that know Christ, that have walked with him, may we've forgotten. May today be a reminder. May we bury that truth deep in our heart, continue to encourage each other to walk by faith and not by sight. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. You give us things that we could never even fathom. I thank you for that, Lord. I pray that we would take the blessing that you are to us and that we would, in turn, look outside to our neighbors, our colleagues, people that are hurting and people that are flourishing and take the message of the gospel to the streets in the way we live, in the way we love, and the way we proclaim it. Lord, give us the boldness to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. 
For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.